You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey there, it's Blasco, and this is a new level. Welcome to episode seven. My guest today is Scott Lee. Scott is the co-owner of the VIP ticketing company SoundRink. He is also the co-owner of Modern Empire Management, where he guides the careers for such artists such as Jason Richardson, Kublai Khan, Currents, Enterprise Earth, and many others. Scott is also the founder of the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival and was the producer for its first 16 years. He is a longtime colleague, and I'm super stoked that he took the time to chat with me today. Scott, thank you, my friend. Hey, no problem, buddy. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm uh, currently sitting in a hotel room in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, so things could be much, much worse. Fuck <laughs> oh, yeah, that's sick. So look, I, 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 I feel like, you know, I've known you for quite a while and I, I don't remember where we first met or first connected, but I'm going to think it was probably maybe in the metalcore Ozfest heyday, maybe somewhere around that time period. Yeah, I think John Fenton introduced us, to be honest with you, back in the day. I think it was I think it was either in Hartford or Mansfield, you know, the Boston, the Ozfest and stuff back then, but. And then I, I think we, we definitely uh, hooked up again at the Palladium when you played with, it was either with uh, Tommy or, or, or Zach, I don't remember which, but we started hanging, became better friends then, you know what I mean? Yeah, now at, in the OzFest era, you were, you were managing bands then. I mean, you still manage bands, but you were managing bands on OzFest, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I believe we had All That Remains on there. That was, I think that was the only one that we had then. And, uh, you know, other than, you know, Shadows Fall definitely did it and stuff like that. We, we, we worked with them in the past and stuff. So yeah, that's basically, I think those two of them, you know, then we had, uh, we had, uh, I also managed job for a cowboy and they did the mayhem festival. Plus they did, I think job did a uh, pre us managing them. They did uh Ozfest, I believe too. So I think we had, we had three or four bands definitely on Ozfest. Wow. That's awesome. So look, you know, let's, let's back it up. How did you get started in the music business? Um, how I got started. Basically I had a bunch of friends that, you know, were in, you know, glam rock bands or punk rock bands, hardcore bands, metal bands. We all have, you know, the high school bands and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I did a, I did like a show here or there, or I just was like, you know, hung out with them, just wanted to hang out with the cool kids, you know, they're in the band, smoke weed, smoke cigarettes, drink beer, blah, 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 play metal music, and then helped them do shows, loaded their gear, you know, then they started playing clubs and started going, hanging out in the clubs with them. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, this guy who could help doing production. And then I started doing my own shows and in clubs and working with people like uh, uh, John Peters and, and he found me and basically said, okay, cool, here you go. My man, you're going to start doing local shows and start doing all this stuff. And I did like a whole bunch of local shows, booking and this, that, and the other thing, and started booking bands like, uh, you know, like Aftershock and bands like Slowpoke and doing all these like, you know, punk rock shows and stuff. And, uh, 
then Aftershock turned, you know, members would join uh, Killswitch Engage and doing this stuff. And I was booking like Hatebreed and Killswitch Engage and doing this stuff back in Pearl Street in Northampton. You know, going back to like, you know, the beginning of it all, it's just people just helped me doing it. Like this woman, Gina Migliosi, who uh, she works with Overkill and she also worked for Mass Concerts. She was one of the first people that helped me get involved with the business. And she introduced me to John Peters, who got me into the into the booking game of producing and you know, booking shows and stuff. My first, uh, my first real show that I booked, like a national act that I'll say booking was like uh, with John Peters was uh, Murphy's law. <laughs> and yeah, we, we did like 300, 400 people downstairs at Pearl street. And it was crazy. They had some great times there, but that's basically how I got started. So g- give me the origin of the new England metal and hardcore fest. Like I know that that was, you know, that was all you, right? It, it, it was, it was your thing. You created it, you invented it. Now, what was the reasoning? Like, what, did it feel like there was, there was an, like a gap? Like, did it feel like, you know, putting together something as monumental as, as this festival and as long running as, as it's been? Like, did, did, did it feel like the, the temperature of what was going on in your neck of the woods just needed something like this? Well, this is like the, how it went down. I, I, I took Shadow Falls to the Milwaukee Metal Fest. They played first on a second stage, side stage, or whatever. We were kind of like, you know, pushed around where nobody banned. The band was nobody then. It was da da da. We were just trying to get our name out. And we were like walking around and like handing out CDs to people. And it was just like, it was kind of miserable. You know what I mean? Nothing against Jack Hoshik. He was a really fine guy. It just It just didn't seem like it was a good vibe. So, Matt Bashan from Shadows Fall was like, we we're driving back from Cleveland in, uh, or Milwaukee, excuse me. And, um, he's like, you could do this. You should do one of these festivals, this big of metal festival type thing. So I went to John Peters, who just recently at that point, um, started booking, you know, the Palladium, Mass Concert started booking the Worcester Palladium. And I was like, yo, I want to do this festival. And I went to this and I want to try to do this here. And he's like, and we created a second room in upstairs, in the foyer of the upstairs to the Palladium. I went to town and I just booked this festival and like worked with all these agents. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing called the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. Didn't give it a fancy name, just gave it what it was. And I brought different types of bands like in the metal world into it. You know what I mean? It was great. Yes, I do. I think the New England area needed something like that at that time. Yeah, I do. I, I think it was a great thing for them. I think the New England Metal and Hardcore scene itself, you had bands like Overcast, Hatebreed, all these bands that were like metal bands that, you know, they were shredding, but they had a hardcore ethics to it. And that's where like the metalcore type of scenario came from in the New England area. You got bands like Converge playing with Entombed, Hatebreed playing with um, Machine Head back in the day. You know, it's like this was, it was a really cool vibe. And the New England scene engulfed it. They loved their metal and they loved their hardcore. And you put it all together and that's where you got the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. And it worked very, very well. How many, how many days was the very first one, and who was the headliner? It was three days. We were very gully in the beginning. Wow. Viasad was one of the headliners. Man of War was one of the headliners. <laughs> God, who was who else? Guar. Oh, yeah. It was it was a great time. We, we had no formula. We didn't know what the hell we were dealing with it. You know what I mean? Put a bunch of bands together. We had, like, a foyer. Uh, one of the, the side rooms was the catering area. We had beans, uh, you know, baked beans with hot dogs and hamburgers. That was the catering. It, we didn't know what we were doing. It was like, this is great. Cool. We tried. We did. We put together a formula and just tr- and made it work over the years. And, you know, we had some great years. You know, there was, like, 
you know, we had Megadeth played it, headlined it one year. It was awesome. What we did with this Blasco was, you know, you had the Ozfest or the Mayhem or whatever, but we took this festival in this room that held that holds twenty three hundred people, and we 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 shot a DVD and we made it look like a European festival. The, it made it look like bigger than life. We tried. We it, everybody wanted to play it, and then you get there, it's like. Oh, there's only two thousand people can come in this place. You know what I mean? It's like we we did we made it look like it was huge, and like I, I think it was so lucky. But to have like the bands like Overcast, Killswitch Engage, all those you know Shadows Fall, all that remains, Unearth, all these bands that come from this area, to it, and that's what helped it. The scene itself of New England helped it. The, the death metal scene in New England was great. The metal the metal scene in New England was great. The hardcore scene in New England's always been great. That's what helped this whole, that's what helped the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival be what it is. What would you consider your greatest achievement? Oh, man. I, I, 16 years of Metal Fest, Acacia Strait and DVD shoot sold out at the Worcester Palladium. I went, I went with the band to Australia, uh, Acacia Strait to Australia. Um, they were supporting uh, Suicide Silence Day to Remember in Parkway Drive there. We set this huge we had set this huge show up. We're shooting a DVD. Dave Brodsky from My Good Eye was shooting it. It was awesome. We're like, we're just wanting to get a thousand people. That's our goal was to get a thousand people. Well, you know, we got off the plane for you know from Australia, which was five days before the show was, and we were already at that thousand mark. Next day, we we sold out the whole thing at twenty three hundred people, and we was it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. You know, it's like. Case you stream Red Cord, Die Will Be Done, Shipwreck. It, it was just, it was great. It was awesome. And that's one of the greatest shows I ever done. I, that's definitely a crowning achievement there. But I think doing, you know, 16 years of, you know, doing the New Little Metal Hardcore Fest, that's one of the crowning achievements. Uh, you know, working with a lot of great bands. Like, you know, I helped produce the Kill Switch Engage DVD. That's one, that's a really cool thing. They gave me a, a gold DVD for that. That was really cool. It's on my wall. I mean, I mean, I just think working with a lot of great people and a lot of great bands, it's, it's definitely, you know, in doing, in making a living doing something I love. Agreed, man. Agreed. So, okay. So conversely, how about one misstep that you encountered along the way that you learned from? Be careful who you trust. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that, I, I, I wish, uh, I wish I thought about the, uh, you know, I always had ideas and then all of a sudden people would take them. I wouldn't share them, but I, I should have put them out there more. You know what I mean? Like, you know, different like festival ideas or tour ideas or something like that. Uh, I wish I started Soundrake earlier. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> um, okay, so, ch so check this. What is your best piece of advice for someone who is working towards a career in the music business? Uh, stay humble and work hard. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I am where I am right now, you know doing what I'm doing is because I worked my ass off, work hard, you know, and love the job, you know, and try to and try, and keep your nose to the ground. That's what, to the grind. It's like, this whole thing is a grind. You know, it's like everything that we do in this business is you're throwing something against the wall. Hopefully it sticks or hopefully it works. You know, it's like trying to, you know, developing bands or selling tickets or putting on shows or whatever you're, you, it's a it's a crapshoot, but it's all in the, in the hard work and the in the passion for it. Love it, engulf yourself into it, and be humble about it. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people get scared at the idea 
of whenever we, you know, whenever we say like, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, it is because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. But like, you know, it's like, it's not hard work if you love what you're doing. And at some point, and I feel like you might echo the sentiment, but like at some point early on, it's, it's hard because you don't know necessarily what you're doing and you're kind of figuring it out along the way. But even though hard work is a daunting thought, right? It quickly becomes something that is easy because you realize how much fun you're having, right? And it just becomes less difficult and more fun. Therefore, even though it is hard work, because it's like you're stressed because it's all on you, right? Like you're not just collecting a paycheck every day from from the man, right? Like you have to get up and you have to be the man. And that's what's hard about it. But it's fun as well. Yeah, I mean, owning your own business, it's, you are you are you are the boss of your own business. You own your own business. You're going out there and grinding and putting everything, and you're going to fail. There's, you know, eight out of ten times, ideas are things are going to fail. You can't be scared of failing either. You know, and I think one of the things is like, okay, cool. I'm a I'm a person that barely graduated high school, went to a half a semester of college, and now I, you know, I own. Three of uh, three companies, you know, I own two houses. I'm doing a re- doing really well in life, and it's all because of music. And I don't even know how to fucking play a goddamn lick on guitar. I don't know how to play drums. I don't know how to do anything. I just sunk myself into it and drew and put like, okay, I got to do this. I'm going to put this show together so I could do this. I'm going to pro- I'm going to work with this band and I'm going to put this band's record out. And I'm going to sell this record and I'm going to get this band bigger. And this is, and that was my mentality, putting all of it together and working out angles of this. I mean, part of my, you know, it was funny. I was talking to Cody DeLong, my partner in the beginning, starting SoundRank. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to book this band's show at the Palladium. I'm going to have a band on the tour and then we're going to get the VIP ticketing for SoundRank. I'm going to have a trifecta. That's what I tried to do on everything. And like in putting it on perspective of work, it's just like, that's how you got to think. You got to think of how you can make everything work together and work hard in developing everything you do. And to be clear, right, this is all because of music, but it's all because of heavy ass music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I mean, the first the first uh, cassette I got was an ACDC cassette. I forgot what record it was. My friend, my friend was my friend taped it. You know what I mean? And, you know, cassette trading. You know what I mean? Back in the day. Yeah. And uh, he, and first thing, I'm, he's like, "Hey, man, you need to listen to this. You like, you you like, you know, you like." all these heavier stuff, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. And I'm like, I fell in love with that. Then I fell in love with Kiss. Then I fell in love with Black Sabbath. And it's like, that's how it all works. It's heavy music. Yes, yes. So my next question, what is your unique strength? My hard work and my work ethic, definitely. My, uh, I, work, I get up at 5.30 in the morning and I go to the gym and I answer all my emails while I'm on a treadmill. Um, and leave the gym and I try to make as many phone calls as people are up in the morning on my way home, take a shower and start my day, you know, at, at nine thirty in the morning, basically. Um, and I'm done working at 10 o'clock at night. It's my work ethic, you know, and I think my relationships that I've built, um, that's a big thing. That's a big thing for anybody in any type of business. Keep building great relationships. I mean, shit, I wouldn't, if I didn't have a relationship with you, I wouldn't be on this really cool podcast, you know, talking about this stuff, you know, and it's like, 
I think that's one of my also key points. Everybody likes me. I'm a really great guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, relationships, and then you got to follow that up with reputation, right? Because the name Scott Lee has a good reputation in this business. Yeah, I, I hope so. I one would hope so. You know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, what are you most fired up about right? now well there's a few things there's uh i'm fired up with a, a lot of the bands that i'm working with like currents phineas enterprise earth kublicon who's on warp tour um there's a lot of great things that going on right now within the ruins that other band that i manage just got a new singer but this is uh there's this band from texas that i'm really i just started working with called i am you should really check them out they're uh cross between you know little bit of death metal little little straight metal hardcore but it's 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 all from texas uh their music you you'd love it blasco a lot of dive bombs a lot of a lot of shredding it's just great but you know that's one thing I'm really excited about i'm i'm excited about you know how you know how sound ranks developed and how it's become a very strong foothold in in you know in the in the community of metal or you know in the concert community you know it's like doing vip ticketing and how we've Cody and myself and Jason Majun and everybody's taken this company and brought it to the where it is right now. I'm really excited about that. You know, it's I, I'm just excited about music itself in in general. You know, it's like the heavy metal community right now is great. I mean, you got bands like Fit for an Autopsy just signing to Nuclear Blast Records, which is great. Um, you know, different different types of you know music going out there. It's like the death metal world. Is, is, is awesome right now. It's like, you know, bands like Ingested are touring and, and coming to the States. It's it's really cool. I mean, I just, like, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just really excited about mu heavy music right now in general. I think with the whole streaming sites and all this stuff, all you got to do is go on a computer and you can stream. You know, it's like you go to, uh, you know, you go to Spotify, you listen to this band. Oh, what's related band to this? Oh, you can listen to this band. From the, oh, they sound really cool. You know, it's like, it's, it, and that's what makes music now so much cooler, I think. Everybody, like, you know, it's like, I love the fact, like, vinyl and records and all that stuff is cool and everything like that. But the way streaming sites, people find music, I mean, a lot easier now, and they enjoy it a lot more, I think, too. People are still buying the records. They're still buying the albums. They want that tangible item still. And that's why I think the vinyl market is still doing very well. But I think it's like, and people turn them turn on to different music through the streaming sites. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the next question, which is, uh, what is your one prediction for the future of the music business? My prediction for the music business, I think, I think you're going to see a lot more management companies putting out records and doing records themselves for their for their artists, and I think you're going to see a lot more artists, bigger artists, that is, doing their own records does that make sense putting out their own music you know what i mean and not utilizing the label in a sense you know does it get to a point you think where no one can be more passionate about a band than the band itself right correct it's always it's always good to have partners that are are, are equal in their enthusiasm but I, I feel like you're right that, that more bands will take the responsibility themselves to produce and manufacture and distribute their own records because who better to do it? You know, I mean, like you, you, you can't always put, like, I understand 
that there, there needs sometimes to be this sense of validation, right? Like a, like an, uh, an artist, a band, they, they need to know that someone else is as passionate about what they do. And it provides them some validation that someone else wants to be involved in their business. But I feel like I agree with you that that will over time eventually start to go away because it's like, Hey, look, why am I giving up a piece of my business? Right? It's like this, my band is my business. Why am I giving a piece of it for the simple sake of validation? I mean, don't get me wrong. There are great record labels out there, you know what I mean, that work hard for their, their artists. And there's also great managers out there that work hard for their artists too. But I think it's going to come down, it's going to combine itself into like, you're going to see a lot, like I said, a lot more management companies or managers working with the artists to self-release or to do, to do creative releases. I think we'll never lose the record label per se, but I think we'll just always, there's going to be more creative things to, to doing this. I think there's going to be a lot more, okay, cool, uh, label A you know, and label B are going to do more things together, like combine, maybe do more split seven inches or to that nature, you know what I mean? Where it's like, or, you know, uh, this band's going to be on this label, but they're going to be able to do um, creative, like, okay, cool. Uh, between our releases, we can do two singles or our own seven inch and release it that way. So that will be part of the deals in the future too. You know what I mean? So that way they can generate money on their own and put out on their own type of scenario. And the band can choose how to put out the record. You know what I mean? Or put out those two songs in between the cycle of that record per se. Does that make sense? To what I'm yeah, saying? totally. Okay. So put on your manager hat. Uh, let's run, let's run a hypothetical that Scott Lee, the manager and his management company are uh, uh, open to taking on new clients, new management clients, uh, in a developmental stage, meaning like you're going to take on a band that's at the developmental level. What qualities do you look for in a new client from a developing band? Um, just heart. I mean, that's one of the good, I mean, talent and heart, you know, it's like, you know, I, I thought it, it was funny. I, I had a friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, my kid's got a band and he wants to try to, he wants to be, a, he wants to do this. He wants to do what you do. Can you talk to him? And I'm like, yeah, I'll sit down and talk to him. I'm like, and I sat down and talked to all his friends and I was like, so what do you want to do? He's like, they're like, we want to go out on tour. We want to play our music. We want to do this. I'm like, you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, what do you have to offer? You know? to make yourself different from everybody else. That's what I look for. I look for what some, if there's something different, if there's something like music, obviously your music has to be good. You know what I mean? That's one thing. Um, without music, it's nothing. You know what I mean? And then looking at the people too, if they're good human beings, you got to work with good human. I, I like working with good human beings. I don't want to work with like anybody. Like, And then the other thing is like, you know, just making sure they're level-headed, people that are level-headed and like knowing that, this is a business. You have to build your business from the ground up. So basically looking for talent, you know, making sure the music's good, making sure everybody gets what's going on. You know, they know how to play their instruments and looks good and all that stuff. And then making sure people are good people and not douchebags, you know, in the sense. Yeah. I mean, how, how much stock do you put in, uh, a band's social media following in the beginning stages, right? Like in, in, in some ways, it's, it's a good indicator 
as to the fact that people are digging their music and people are engaging with it. And not only that, but the band is putting effort into that aspect of their business and, and it's, and it's working. Yeah. I mean, a lot, I mean, definitely, you know, that's definitely, you're definitely looking at that. I mean, if, if the band's hungry and they're, and they want to push it and they want to, you know, go out there and like grind and you see what they're trying to do, that definitely, you definitely take that in contention, you know, and put that, you know, if they're putting their social media looks good and they look good and there's a good package there, that's what you're looking for. And obviously the music, like I said, what would be a new level for sound rink? Right. And, and because it's like, I talked to Cody cause I, I've been using sound rink for a while now. Right. And I've, I've used, I've used other VIP companies and, you know, to varying degrees, but I've successfully been using been using SoundRink for a while now. I mainly talked to Cody, so I'm sharing this info with, with you now in case he doesn't, you know, share share my sentiment with him. You know, but like he, here's a thought on like VIP companies in general, right? There is some narrative that people don't like it. You know, they don't, they, they, they think it's, it's not fair. You know, they, they think maybe the band should just be going to the merch booth after the shows rather than charging people to meet them. Right. In, in, in defense of VIP companies in general, right. Like what's your stance on anyone that has a negative outlook on the VIP experience? I mean, look, here's a, like anybody, like it's, it's also depending on the band and the ethics of the band itself or the group or whatever. But my stance on it is like this. If you're a super fan, you know, this is the great VIP ticketing is the greatest thing in the world for you. You know, you get to meet these people, talk to them. Sometimes they don't come out and hang out with the fans or go to the merch table or they can't. This gives people the opportunity to do it. It's as long as it's organized and people are doing it the right way and like, you know, the meet and greets are going smooth and having a good time with it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. What's a, you're going to go to a concert, and you're going to go to a concert, and you're going to pay twenty dollars for parking. You're going to pay for a t-shirt. You're going to pay for you know a couple of drinks or a hot dog, whatever. It's a it's it's an event any way you look at it. So why not enhance the event? Meet the people you're going to go see. Get a signature. Hang out with them. Have a conversation. You know, whatever. It's like take a picture with them. It's a it's a great thing. You get. It's a crowning achievement for for a fan to meet the artists. You know, I, I mean, take the. It's not for every band. I get it, but take take the situation of like getting chance to meet people and having a good time and doing this and meeting your your the people you look up to. I think it's I think it's awesome. I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. How does the VIP experience get bigger and better, right? The, you know, the kids are going to the shows, they're meeting the band, but like, where can it go? You know, wh- wh- how far can we push the envelope of an experience for these people? Um, I think you can push it as far as the, the artist is going. You know, it's like, one of the things that we talk about, you know, myself and Cody and Jason talk about is like, how do we, you know, create create packages, creating different types of things where it's like, all right, cool, we get, you know, so, you know, we're doing a package for this band. What are they into? Are they into, you know, weightlifting or just do they are they do they talk about this? Is there what do they want to do? You know what I mean? We get creative with the bands and because the bands know their fans better than anybody, you know what I mean? So to put to put in perspective, it's like 
all right, cool. We're going to do, you know, we talk to the bands or whatever. We're going to put together this package. Some of the bands are workout bands. We want to do this type of thing for them or whatever, you know. That's, I mean, it can get bigger. The, the meet and greets and all the experience and everything to that nature can get bigger and better with more create with the creative minds that what we're doing, we're creating everything what we're doing. Um, you know, that's it. There's no, there's no boundaries for it. We can, you know, we, we like to do different things where it's like, Hey, I mean like pizza parties or different types of scenarios. We've done things where, you know, we had a uh, listening parties for where people would go take, limo ride, meet up at meet and greets and then take limo rides to studios and listen to unheard music while drinking Don Perignon. You know what I mean? There's no realm. There's nothing outside the box. You know, everything's outside the box. We want to be more creative. We want to be more things. So there's the sky's the limit is what I'm saying. Okay. So look, Scott, thanks for joining me. My last question is the most important question, living or dead. Who are the members of your ultimate super group? All right. Um, guitar, Dimebag Daryl. Um, Neil Pert, drums. Okay. Okay, you got Scott Ian's rhythm guitar, by the way. Um, so you got Dimebag and Scott Ian, Neil Pert, and then you got Rob Halford. Rob Halford's my singer. There it is. That's my singer. That uh, There's nobody else. I was going to say Randy Blythe or Bruce LePage or – Something to that nature, or even Jamie Josta, you know, but you could be the bass player. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll join, I'll join that band. I'll fucking, I'll join that band for sure, man. That'd be awesome. You know, uh, I, we just did a gig with Judas Priest, and dude, I, I, let me tell you, Halford's never sounded better. It's, it's amazing. He is crushing. I, I, I went to the show at the, at the Worcester Palladium, and I was just like, and, and uh, Glenn Tipton came out and everything for like the last four or five songs, which was great. And it was just like, Halford, woo, he got it. He still got it, man. That guy is no joke. I've been, you know, I, a fan of Judas Priest. That was, you know, remember the argument when you were a kid between Judas Priest or Iron Maiden, Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. I was like, I was a Judas Priest guy. I mean, I like Iron Maiden, don't get me wrong, but it's like, man, I, I, you know, screaming for vengeance, defender of the face. Back that's when I, that's when I started getting into that. The Judas Priest, but yeah, Rob Halford's a god. He's just a god. He is the man. He is the man. I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story uh, that my 15 year old self has uh, a, a high level of difficulty believing that it even happened. But here I am hanging out in the dressing room. In walks Ozzy. Ozzy's, you know, we're just shooting the shit, hanging out, and then in walks Halford. And those guys are start carrying on a conversation. And here's my 15-year-old self looking at the state of what is happening in front of me and doesn't believe it for a second. <laughs> you know, two, oh, two of the greatest singers of this, of, of my, in my world, right, are just like hanging out, shooting the shit, talking about Birmingham and smoking cigarettes. Like, it's crazy oh that's that, i would have loved to be in a fly on the wall for that man that's that's great god that's so cool that is a cool that's a great story <laughs> so look scott thanks for hanging out um oh, how do uh, our listeners uh follow you c contact you on uh you know on on uh on the social medias uh scott uh scott lee 26 on facebook and instagram 
Awesome. And then uh, uh, your uh, what your do you have a website for the management company and Soundrink, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, Soundrink, uh, Soundrink.com and uh, ModernEmpireManagement.com. Thanks, Scott. I super appreciate it, man. This was awesome. Hey, man. Anything for you, Blasco. You're the best. A New Level Podcast is brought to you by Musicians Institute. Headphones provided by Monster Products. Editing and music by Blake Bunzel. Logo design by Mango Beard. I produced this show with my managemental co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry for Jabberjaw Media. Email me questions or comments at askblasco at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.